Morning, everyone. Morning, everyone. And very welcome to our service this morning. And uh, trust that God will bless you this morning as you're with us. And anybody watching online as well, you're very welcome uh, to our service. There's a couple of wee announcements before we start. The Peru or Rwanda mission team warmly invite you to a celebration barbecue after the morning service on Sunday the 3rd of September. And we want to celebrate the support given by the congregation for the work in Peru and Rwanda and give thanks for the new church season beginning in September. So this will be a great opportunity for us all to reconnect after the summer. So we hope you plan to attend. Please put the date in your diary. It's Sunday the 3rd of September. Zoom prayer meetings, we've been trying to keep them going over the summer. And uh, during August, there's one remaining one taking place on Friday the 25th of August. And the details are in the order of service if you'd like to join uh, that prayer meeting. Uh, Friday the 25th of August. I'll be on leave from Friday the 18th of August and will return to work on Sunday the 10th of September. Uh, If you need the services of a minister, uh, please contact uh, your elder or Billy Heinemann, the clerk of session. And I'm grateful to Alvin Little who will be providing pastoral cover during this time. Um, Okay, during the week I was reading about a plant that's called the Jericho Rose. And uh, it's learned to, to survive in the Sahara Desert uh, on very, very little water. And what it does, it, it, it cuts quarter by quarter. The first quarter it dies, then the next quarter dies, then the next quarter dies. So there's only a very small fraction of the Jericho Rose that is actually left to survive, but it's holding on. And then whenever the rain eventually does come in the Sahara, it spreads, it rises up, it comes to life. It's also called the resurrection plant. And it comes to life again and spreads all those seeds all over the place and they start to germinate all around that plant then. So the reason I'm telling you that is, as you know, we have been looking forward to doing an alpha course in September for those in the community. Um, But the last couple of meetings, we've really felt, Alvin and myself have felt that um, it would be good maybe to have an alpha course where you can come along if you feel for the congregation rather than for the community to start with. For the congregation, if you've been in leadership, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're struggling, if you feel like your Christian life is a bit like on a treadmill in a gym where you're running for 30 minutes and not getting anywhere, just to be able to come on a Wednesday night, starting on the 27th of September, just to be able to come, not to do anything. You'll not be asked to do anything or take on any responsibility. It'll be your opportunity, if you're tired and weary, just to be ministered to, just to receive what God has to give. So we thought we would do that. That's why I'm sort of telling you that. A bit like the Jericho plant, which sort of shuts down gradually, and often busyness, even church busyness, has this ability to be able to get us to survive on as little love of God as we possibly can when God wants us to enjoy an awful lot more. So it's really about refreshing us. And if you would like to do that, if you'd like to do that course, and of course, if you're in a home group that meets that night, you'll be released from that to go and do this if you would like. Um, And I'll be meeting with the leaders about that. But there's a little slip in here. And if you would like, and the slips are at the back, if you want to think about it over the next couple of weeks or so, if you want to write your name and slip it in a wee box that's provided in the vestibule, uh, just to give us an idea of the interest in that. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I just want to start our service by reading Matthew 11, 28, verse 30, because sometimes we can be so busy that we're given out all the time, given out, given out, given out. And God wants us this morning to draw close to him. He says, draw close to me. And that's what we want to start the service with that attitude, with that frame of mind. I want to meet with God. I want to receive from nourishment from God. I want to draw close. As Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he says, come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just pray a minute. Father, I don't know the hearts of people here, but Lord, we thank you that you do, that you know what as they come into this building this morning, they may have burdens on their hearts, worries on their minds. Lord, they might feel weary, they might feel tired. And Lord, we pray that we might come this morning and as we worship, that we may just leave all of that at your feet, that we would focus our eyes upon you, that we would obey your command to draw close to me and I will draw close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So a very appropriate start is be still, be still for the presence of the Lord. We're just going to put our PowerPoint up there. <clears throat> Are we? <laughs> okay. There we go. It's Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hello, Grayson. Hello, Charles. <laughs> Good to see you. Listen, I just want to point out that it says there when. It doesn't say if. In other words, God is saying there will be hard times in our lives that we have to go through, but I will be with you every step of the way. Now, this is chippy. Now, Chippy's been sucked in, washed up, blown over. He was having a great day, but then all of a sudden, his owner decided to clean out the cage. So his owner got the vacuum cleaner, a big hose, and he stuck it in to the, to the cage, and suddenly then the phone went, 
and he was cleaning up all this sawdust at the bottom of the cage and the phone went and he lifted his hand to answer the phone and as he answered the phone up went Chippy, up the hose of the vacuum cleaner. He was sucked in. So the woman panicked and she put her phone down and she stopped the vacuum cleaner and she ripped open the bag and wee Chippy was sitting there stunned. And she thought to herself, goodness, I gotta get him cleaned up. He was all dirty, lots of grit in his head. Right, so she grabbed Chippy and she ran up the stairs, she went into the bathroom, she put him under the shower, she showered him, she shampooed him, and then she looked at him, wee Chippy was, <laughs> wee Chippy was freezing cold. She thought, I gotta heat him up, I gotta heat him up. So went and got the hair, the hair dryer and she blew him down with the hair dryer, put it on and he was all hot and bothered. So he was sucked in, washed up, blowing over. Now, I wonder if you ever felt like sucked in, <laughs> washed up, blown over. Sometimes life can do that to you, can't it? But the thing about it is, and the wonderful thing about it is, that I'm going to show you in a wee minute how God uses people that have been through hard times, how God uses people that have been broken, and that have been sucked in and washed up and blown over. Take, for example, Daniel. Now, Daniel had been living in his home in Jerusalem. And suddenly this massive big army came riding into Jerusalem and they killed some of his family and they killed some of his friends and they knocked down the walls and they knocked down the temple and they took Daniel and a lot of other people away to this foreign land called Babylon. And Daniel was heartbroken, heartbroken. He was a broken man. And when he got there, after a while, the, the King Darius really liked him. But King Darius, they put out this, uh, this petition. They said, right, you're not allowed to pray to anyone else or ask a request from anyone else apart from the king for 30 days. Well, Daniel went, I'm not going to do that. And he went home. He opened his windows just like he did every day. Three times a day, he'd go and open his windows, and he'd pray towards Jerusalem, and he'd pray to God, and he'd praise God. Well, he was caught doing this. So they grabbed him, and they took him, and they threw him in the, in the lion's den. And when he was in the lion's den, he was praying. But he knew he was weak. But he trusted in the confidence. He was confident in God, not in himself, but in God. And the only time those lions showed their teeth to Daniel was when they were smiling. That was Daniel, a broken man that God used. Now, let me take give another example. Moses. Now, Moses had it really easy. He, he grew up in a palace. He was practically the prince of Egypt. Uh, the Pharaoh's daughter looked after him. He had the best stuff. He had the best things, the best clothes, the best education. But he was a Jew. And one day he saw a fellow Jew being beaten up by or fighting with an Egyptian. So he went over and he wanted to save him and he killed the Egyptian. And it messed his whole life up. All his hopes and dreams of trying to release the people of Israel went down the tubes. And he ran into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he looked after goats. He was a broken man, a man with such hopes and dreams, and he was broken. And then God came to him from the bush, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to release my people down there to go down again and talk to Pharaoh, the king, and say, let my slavery people, let those people go. And I said, well, who am I? But he put his confidence in God, and you know what? He went down and he did it. So another example is David. Do you know who David is? Grace, and who's David? He fought a giant. You're spot on. Big lamp, big walking lamppost he was. He was a big man. Now, David wasn't broken at this time, but he was small and weak. He didn't have much power. But he brought the sandwiches down to his brothers. They needed some lunch, so the dad said, way down, take these down to, your, your, to the captain and give them to your brothers. 
and he went down and he gave the lunch and when he went down there he saw this big giant and the big giant from the Philistines, he was blaspheming God, he was calling names, he was calling them chicken, you won't come out and fight me, you are chicken. And David said, I can't have this. And David, only a wee boy, he got a slingshot and he went down to the river and he got five stones and he put one of the stones in the slingshot and he didn't have much confidence in himself, but he had confidence in God and he swung the slingshot around his head. Wow, again, and again, and again, and again. And then he released it and it just went and the big, the big guy's busy, like he look, looking like a, a walking lamppost as a big, strong, proud man. And he hit him right there. And that was the first thing came into his mind was a stone and he dropped down dead. He, David hadn't any strength, but he had confidence in God. And that one more example is Joshua. God came to Joshua one day and he says, Moses is dead. You're going to have to take over. Moses is dead. Go and take my people into the promised land, into the land flowing with milk and honey, into the land with great stuff. You are going to love this land. Go and take them in. And Joshua got all the people together. And there was one city which was a main stronghold. It was called Jericho. It was on a hill, and it had this massive, massive, massive wall around it. You couldn't climb over it. It was terrible. How were we going to get into this fort? It was a massive fort. And we were told then, uh, God told them, right, go down and circle it once, one day. They did that. Circle it again another day. They did this for six days. Then on the seventh day, they went down and God said, circle it seven times. And they went round the fort or the city seven times. And he said, see when you hear the trumpets blast, give a loud shout for God has given us the city. So that's what they did. They went round it seven times seven times and then they heard the trumpet blasts and everybody all of them shouted and the wall came tumbling down Joshua didn't have much confidence in himself but he had confidence in God and that's why no matter how hard life can be no matter if you feel washed up and sucked in and blown over no matter what the obstacle is no matter what the trial is God says I won't let it overcome you I won't let it beat you. Have confidence in me, not in yourself, but in me. So I learned this song during the week. Um, I, was right, I was in David's car, and he was playing this music, and I thought, what's that? And uh, so I put it on. It's by a group called Real Sanctus, and it's called Confidence. It's about confidence in God. So let's stand and, and let's sit. Now, you don't know this, but the chorus is very catchy, so you'll soon catch on. We'll get to learn it. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. Along with your strength,
and girls are going to head out to Sunday school. Chris, if you'd like to go with Ben, there's Ben. Do you want to go Charlotte with Ben? You just have a good time. Okay. And your offering will, will be received. Thank you. Father, we thank you for the sunshine this morning, and it's good to see it. It helps us to remember that there is sunshine out there. And Father, sometimes in our lives, things can seem very bleak and dark, and we do feel at times that we're uh, sucked in, washed up, and blown over. But we thank you, Lord, that even though those clouds are in our lives at times, Lord, you are still above the clouds. You are still there. You are constant. You are faithful. You are our rock and our refuge. Lord, we pray that you would take this money, and Lord, that you would use it, Lord, in this church and beyond in the community for your glory and for yours alone. In Jesus Christ, our Savior's name, amen. It's tremendous to have SISM with us this morning. Fantastic to have them with us. Um, and we're going to be interviewing Katie in a wee minute. I forgot all about a microphone, but I'll take this off and you can use mine. Um, but uh, if I can just invite Katie and then we'll ask her a few questions. We'll ask her a few questions and, uh, and then we'll pray. We'll get the whole team up here. Well, this is only a fraction of the full team, but we'll get the guys up here and we'll pray. Can you hear all right if I hold this? Yeah, you can hear that. 
Okay, so the first question I'm going to ask you, Katie. I've heard that all the spaces for SISM uh, were booked up within seven minutes of going online, and that's amazing. Are you and your team really excited about this? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was maybe even um, sooner than seven minutes. You know, as soon as we put the link up, we had hundreds of children um, wanting to, to have a place at SISM. So, I mean, that was amazing. We were just overwhelmed, slightly terrified by thinking, how on earth are we going to manage this? And, you know, we don't have enough leaders for all of these children. But, I mean, God has been really good and he's provided some extra leaders. Um, and we're really grateful for them coming along at the last minute. Um, so, currently we have, I think, 243 registered. We've still about another 50 on our waiting list who we would love to accommodate, but maybe in the course of the week a little space will come up. Um, so we've, I think, 38 on our team, and we're really excited just to, to get stuck in and to share the gospel with the kids this week. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, do you have a theme this year? Yeah, so our theme this year is called The City. Um, this is a theme that we took from the Bible Project, if any of you have heard of it or have looked at any of their material. And it basically traces the theme of the city throughout the whole story of Scripture. So it starts in Cain's city. So he um, obviously sinned and got cast out into the wilderness and he made a city there to protect himself. And it starts from there and um, it shows how the city really is a, an extension of human characters and then we look at God's goodness and faithfulness to his people and then we can see his plan for his people. We look at Jesus and his instructions to his people and what he did in the city of Jerusalem and then we think to the heavenly city. So we really are going through the whole story of scripture in a week and looking at different cities in the Bible. Um, so we're really excited by that and we're just hoping that it will um, captivate the children's imaginations and their hearts and that they will see God's plan for their life. Excellent, excellent. Um, would you explain what sort of things you're going to do uh, with the children this week? Absolutely. Um, so a lot of our things that we're doing with the children, they're not um, anything hugely different um, than what might be in a normal holiday Bible club. We'll have, particularly with the younger children, we'll have stories, um, songs, memory verses, quizzes, um, games and craft. With the older teenagers, it'll be more Bible studies. We will have testimonies um, as well. In the mornings, we have what we call our Great AM, which is one of my favourite parts of SISM, where um, all the boys and girls from four right up to seven. 17 come together and we spend a little bit of time just praising God and hearing from his word. Um, the great thing about SISM though is that you know we meet with the children three times a day so we do have time to then do a few just fun things that really allow for a relationship to be built up so we'll have um, things like a movie night, we'll have talent shows, um, We'll have water fights and all sorts of things as well. So um, those, those should all be good fun and, and we're looking forward to the whole range of activities. Okay, well, we're going to come to the prayer points in a wee minute, but Katie was telling me that she's just actually finished a Bible club in her own church. So, and it's quite tiring. So she's going in now to SISM to do it another week. So, and I'm sure some of the other guys are in similar situations. So. I think strength is something we need to pray for. But Katie, let us know, what can we pray for? Um, yeah, I mean, our biggest prayer point is that the hearts and lives of the children would be transformed. We want them um, to see their need of Jesus and we want them to um, ask Jesus to be their saviour and, and their king. So that's what we really want um, more than anything else this week. Um, as you said, we do want strength and energy for our team. As you say, lots of us have been um, doing things the week before um, this week, so people are tired. Um, so we would love you to pray for energy for the team, but for our team as well, a bit like you were saying at the start, that we wouldn't just get bogged down in the sort of the, the daily activities of SISM, but that our team would be strengthened and nourished and would love Jesus more than they do already by the end of this week. Um, then just for sort of practical things, safety, you know, we, we want our children to, to be safe at SISM. We would love the weather to be good so that we can get outside, um, just the, the logistics and the planning um, of, of everything else. And then we just want the impact of SISM to, to 
go beyond this week. We want it, the message to go home to parents and to carers, grandparents, and they want, we want the message to go to the children's friends and that it would really impact the wider community after we are gone. Brilliant. So. Brilliant. Can I ask the rest of the team just to come up and we'll, we'll pray for you all here a wee minute? Okay. And you said there's 43 leaders, did you say? By 38. By 38 leaders. Okay, so there's a lot. There's a lot. Okay. Okay, take a photograph in your mind. Try and remember these folk during the week and, uh, that they'll be surrounded by many, many kids, but God will give them strength and grace and, and support. So it's great to see young people going to be involved in things like this. Fantastic. Let me just pray uh, for you. Father, we, we thank you for these young people, Lord, and for all 38 of them that are going to be involved uh, this week in reaching out um, to a couple of hundred kids. And Father, we just, we just thank you for them giving up their breaks during the summer, Lord, to do this. And we pray, God, that you will fill them with your strength, that they will not feel weary in any way, mentally or physically or spiritually. But Lord, that every morning that you would meet with them as individuals and corporately, that God, you would encourage them and bless them. And yes, as Katie said, that they would end the week loving you more than they did coming into the, to the schism week. We just pray, God, for the children that are coming. Yes, we do want them to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. We do want them to know the full love of Jesus in their lives and in their homes. And we just pray, God, that as they speak about cities, God, that they might be able to relate to it, that, God, that Bangor is their home. And, Father, we pray that they would know the love of Jesus coming through these young people into Bangor and beyond. And, Lord, we pray, Father, God, that, um, that you would move by your Holy Spirit, that you would be central, because, God, we can go through the motions but only you come to the heart and put the word of God, put your word in their hearts. We pray that your word may go hand in hand with your spirit, and Lord, that eyes would be opened, that they would be encouraged, that they would just fall in love with Jesus and want to know him. So we ask a blessing, Lord, on all of the leaders and all of the children, Lord, that you would bless this system and that you would glorify your name in all of it. We pray, God, keep the children safe. And we pray, build the relationships. Keep the relationships between the leaders. Good Father, um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for your prayers um, and for your support um, this year and in many years before. Um, we do come in just for the, the week, but we know that you are um, supporting us throughout the year, um, prayerfully and financially, and we just really want to thank you for that as well. Our privilege. Very welcome. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to stand, we're going to sing, He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast.
I'm going to uh, read uh, Psalm 46 uh, this morning. Psalm 46. So if you have a Bible, please take it out. Uh, if not, it should uh, come up on the screen. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. At times I feel that, uh, that life has no breaks. Do you ever feel like that? When I was a child, I was the only child in our street who didn't have a go-kart. So my dad decided to build me a go-kart, and it was going to be a go-kart that beat all other go-karts. So I had a piece of yellow carpet for a seat and wheels that belonged to a pram, and they just got incredible speed up. It could get really, really fast. But there was no steering wheel. Uh, there was just a set of reins. You tug to the left to go left. You tug to the right to go right. And uh, we lived at the bottom of a very steep hill. At the bottom of the road, bottom of the hill was a, a main road. Um, but my dad had finished the go-kart, and I pulled it proudly to the top of the hill with all my friends watching. And uh, I settled myself on it, and then it was time just to let fly. So I gave it a little push, and uh, I was gaining speed. It wasn't too bad at the beginning, but then it got a wee bit unsettling, and then it got uncomfortable, and then it got terrifying. So it was time to actually pull the brakes on. But what brakes? <laughs> there were brakes. There was a little handle down the right-hand side, uh, and I pulled that, but it made next to no difference. They didn't work. So I was flying down the street, heading for this main road with cars going past, and I thought to myself, this is going to turn out really bad <laughs> if I don't do something very quickly. So I pulled on the reins, left tug, went flying up the footpath, and right round the bottom of the footpath, the bottom of the road, and I eventually stopped. I ran out of momentum, and I stopped, and I breathed a sigh of relief. And uh, sometimes, though, I feel that life has no brakes. At times, it's out of control. In Psalm 46, verse 10, God says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, what's the first thing to go when life gets busy and pressurized? I know with me, it's often this. It's often my time that I spend with God is often the first thing to go when I'm busy. My granda, he delivered milk on the Ballygown Road for many years. Um, he had a couple of, it was a couple of Clydesdale horses and a, court, a cart behind filled with these silver churns, milk churns, and people would come down to the end of their driveway with, a, with a, a jug, and he'd give them the milk. Now, he did that for many years. He left the, the depot probably about four o'clock in the morning, went probably about three miles an hour. It probably, life back then was much harder, but it was much slower. There was time to appreciate the journey in life, the beauty around you as you journey through life. You know, I, I remember reading about this. There was a creator of the Washington Zoo. And he said, you know, most people look at the animals when they come to the zoo. They only look at the animals for 10 seconds and rush on. 
He says, most people who come to the zoo think that hippopotamuses stay under the water for a vast period of time, but they don't. They only stay at most 90 seconds. But the people don't hang around long enough to see the, the creators coming back up again. Perhaps life for you is going at a very, very fast pace, and you can only keep that going for, at that pace for a short period of time before you burn out and you're forced to slow down. God says in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Allow me just to give you the context of this psalm. Allow me to explain the life situation which it was written. Um, it's thought that Psalms 46 was written at the time when Assyria, which was the main power, uh, the superpower at that time, had invaded the land of Judah and had taken some of her cities, and now they surrounded Jerusalem. And they wanted the big city. They wanted Jerusalem. And the account can be found in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. King Hezekiah was on the throne at the time. Now, most kings were evil kings, but King Hezekiah was a great king. He was a king, we're told, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And for some time, he had been paying protection money to the king of Assyria, Sennacherib. He'd been paying protection money just to, to, to don't, please don't come and, and, and fight us. Leave us in peace. But then he got to the point where he decided, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to pay protection money anymore. And the king wasn't too happy. And Assyria swept from the south and they swept from the west. And they trapped King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. And Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, he boasted that he'd shut Hezekiah in like a caged bird. And in these chapters, we find the Assyrian general he rides up to the, the walls of Jerusalem and he speaks to those on the walls and asks, tells them to surrender. He says to Hezekiah, surrender, surrender. Now, he does his three tactics. He says, he, first of all, he frightens them. He says, if you don't surrender, this is going to happen. And he bribes them. He says, if you do surrender, then we will give you a piece of land for your family. We'll give you uh, grain for harvest. We'll give you vines. And the third thing he says is, just think about it. He questions God. He says, think about it. We're Assyria. We wipe everyone out. What other God has ever been able to stop us? Do you think your God can stop us? You're crazy. So there's a heavy atmosphere. I want you to try and imagine this, that this is in Bangor, that this is a situation right by your home. It's a heavy atmosphere. The mothers and fathers, they look at their children sleeping in their beds, and they don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow for them. Soldiers watch from the battlements, nervous, they're looking out for the blazing arrow that might just start the fight. There's this deathly silence over the city, apart from the quiet sobs of mothers worried about their children. King Hezekiah, he gets down on his knees. There's very few kings get down on their knees, I tell you that. But King Hezekiah gets down on his knees, and he begins to pray. And as he prays, the psalmist begins to write. And he writes, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And as the tension builds within the walls of Jerusalem, there's one other character I'd like you to meet. It's the prophet Isaiah. He lived in Jerusalem. He often gave Hezekiah some advice. And he writes words of encouragement straight from the heart of God to the people. He writes, See, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. I've tattooed your names in my hands. 
See, back then, if a mother was unable to look after her children or her child, perhaps the breadwinner, the father was dead, and uh, the child would be taken then from her. But she would always have the name of her child written or tattooed into her palms. So that no matter what she was doing, whether she was washing the dishes, whether she was cooking on the fire, whether she was sewing the clothes, she always had the names of her children in her hands before her. And this is what God is saying to these people. I've inscribed you on the pans of my hands. And it's what an incredible reassurance we have here when we think that God is, or we feel that God has forgotten all about us, that God has abandoned us. Not so. Not so. In dark days, all the time, good or dark, God has your name tattooed in his hands and always before him. There are many contrasts of life on our planet. There's beauty and ugliness. There's joy and pain. There's tenderness. There's cruelty. There's love and there's bitterness. You know, life can be beautiful, but it can be also ugly. And life can be filled with joy, but it can also be filled with pain. And life can be tender, yet it can also be very cruel. Life can be filled with laughter, but it can also be soaked with tears. And the psalmist here speaks of earthquakes. He speaks of mountains collapsing. He speaks of tsunamis. But he says, yet in the midst of it all, God. God is in the midst. God is our refuge. God is our strong tower. God is our fortress. In verse 2, the psalmist writes, even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and be troubled, there's no, and massive tsunamis, massive, though the mountains shake with its swelling, like mountains collapsing, earthquakes, tsunamis. This is a massive upheaval he's writing about here. If this was on our TV screens, you wouldn't be away from your TV screen that was happening on the other end of the world. It's a massive, it's a catastrophe, above all catastrophes. But we're told God is in the midst. Do not fear. You know, the people of God, they sit within these walls of Jerusalem and they're waiting. Waiting for the noise of the enemy breaking through the gates. Waiting for the whistling of the burning arrows. Waiting for death. And the psalmist says, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help in trouble. Refuge implies the external aspect that God is somewhere we can hide in. That is a high tower. He's a refuge. Strength implies an internal aspect, the grace and the power of God that God gives us internally to get through what we're going through. Therefore, the psalmist writes, we will not fear. The mountains might be moved. The sea might be in upheaval. The mountains and the earth are as about as solid as you're going to get. Yet, he says, even though, even if they give way, even if chaos reigns around about us and the ground even feels that it's going from underneath our feet, he's our refuge. He's our strength, always available, always faithful, always enough for any situation. Hezekiah is confident in God. God is able. Just like Daniel, 
Daniel, broken man, lacking in confidence. My confidence in God. Moses, broken man, lacking in confidence. My confidence in God. David, small, young child, but my confidence is in God. And just, just Joshua, I don't have much to give. I'm a broken man too. I was in slavery in Egypt 30 years ago. But my confidence is in God. And listen to these words from a king. These are, this is written in 2 Kings 18. But the, the, these words are written, and this is, what, this is what Hezekiah prayed on his knees, this king. He says, bend low, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. In other words, God, help us. See what we're going through and help us. Then we're told in verse 4, there's a river. There's a river. It's interesting that verse 4 of this, this psalm speaks of a river that runs through the city of God. Now, a lot of uh, many cities are built around a river because they need the water supply and it brings in trade. But Jerusalem wasn't one of them. Jerusalem didn't have a river. God was the river who would sustain them as long as he was in the center. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. You know, Ezekiel also, he prophesies of a river in Jerusalem. He speaks of a river many years before. And he, he says about a river that there's going to be a river that comes from underneath the temple. And it's going to come out from underneath the temple, and it's going to, the tributaries are going to run right through Jerusalem, and it's going to go right through the land of Israel, and everything that it touches, it's going to heal. And when you saw Christ on the cross, and eventually he had got that far to the point where he was about to submit his spirit into his Father's hands, and he said, it is finished. And the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, an indication that the Spirit of God is no longer stuck behind a curtain, but that through Christ is available to every man, woman, boy and girl coming through throughout the nations. There is a river, the psalmist writes, whose, street, writes, whose streams make glad the city, of God. God is in the midst of her. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. You know, the next morning, Jerusalem awoke to a silence beyond the walls. It was nothing. Somebody went out to investigate. During the night, the angel of the Lord, we're told, came and completely wiped out the whole Assyrian army, 185,000 of them. God had destroyed their enemy. And you know, when I read this, it reminds me of another verse three days after the cross took place. In Psalm 46, it says, just at the break of dawn, then in Matthew we're told, now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, in other words, at break of day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, only to find the stone had been rolled away. The power of death, the enemy of every man and woman, had been destroyed and lay there as a corpse before our Savior. Jesus had conquered death, had risen, and conquered that death, so that when we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, once we pass from here straight into the presence of God. Death, where is thy victory, says Paul. Death, where is your sting? It's gone. God, we're told here, there's a river whose streams make glad. Perhaps this morning you're discouraged. 
Perhaps you're really down. Perhaps you're in a dark place. And you think that God has abandoned you. Take heart this morning, because out of the night hours breaks the morning. God has not abandoned you. God is in the midst. Perhaps you're a Christian, and for many years you felt your spiritual life has run cold. It, it's dried up. It's not the way it used to be. And this psalm is for you. Be still and know. Get off the go-kart. Get off the hamster's wheel. Be still and know that I am God. I have not left you. I am in the midst. When the very earth beneath your feet feels uncertain, and when the rivers break their banks, he is our present help in trouble. I just finish with an illustration. There's a man, Horatio Spafford, was, you've probably maybe heard of him, was a Christian lawyer who lived in Chicago with his wife and five children. 1871, their son dies of pneumonia. The same year, their business is in danger of going under. They get a great opportunity to travel to Europe. So he puts his wife and his four daughters on the ship, and uh, he agrees that he'll join them in a few days, but he's to sort out his business just before he heads over. Four days into the journey, a Scottish ship called the Locker and collided into their French liner, and the ship sank in 30 minutes. 226 passengers lost their lives, including the four daughters of this man. His wife, Anna, was saved. Mr. Spafford was notified by telegram, and he made his way over to Europe, and as he was traveling on the boat, the captain of the ship told him this is where the other ship sank. So Mr. Spafford went out onto the deck, and with his own thoughts, in the quietness of the night, he began to write a hymn it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble. We're going to sing now that very hymn. Um, but let me just pray a minute. Father, there may be people here who just maybe weren't even going to come out to the service this morning. We're finding it hard, Lord, just to lift their hearts, find it heavy, finding life tough, well, thank you that they did come. And we pray, Lord Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you put your arms around them, you put hope in their hearts and remind them that you are in the midst, that you're greater than any obstacle, that you're greater than any enemy, and you're always available to be with them. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing, It is well with my soul. <clears throat>
the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.